It is Friday, March 24th, and welcome to episode 198 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. We're here today once again with special guest Morgan Vigna, NSI fellow and former chief of staff to the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Jessica Jones, super secret crime fighter and national security hero, and me, Jamil Jaffer. So what's the story? Earlier this week, Chinese President Xi Jinping and the Russian President Vladimir Putin met in Moscow and reaffirmed and expanded on the key tenets of their no-limits partnership that was first formed a year ago in the lead-up to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The visit showcased the growing personal relationship between the two autocrats and demonstrated their increasing unity around building a world order countering the United States and our allies. Now, look, these two these two folks came together, right, and one of the most, most important public moments of the summit came right at the end of a state dinner when they both knew they were on camera, and President Xi says to Putin through a translator, right now there are changes the likes of which we haven't seen for 100 years. And we, Russia and China, are the ones driving these changes together. Putin agreed with that view. And this was the element that was designed to tell the world Russia and China are aligned around a common theme, a common effort, and that is combating the West. They referred in their joint statement to a hypocritical, hypocritical narrative from the West about their autocracy, which, of course, is neither hypocritical nor untrue. Um, and all this is part and parcel of these Chinese effort to really bring the Russian narrative on Ukraine into the fold. They expressed uh, concerns about, about increasing NATO military ties. They agreed to strengthen military cooperation, although there was not an agreement uh, to bring more weapons into the fight, China to bring more weapons into the fight. Uh, they did engage in a significant amount of, of economic cooperation, a dozen bilateral agreements, including in particular on energy, a potential gas pipeline going across Mongolia, and increased gas deliveries to China from Russia. At the end of the day, though, the peace mission that was supposed to happen with the Chinese government putting on the table a 12-point peace plan did not come to pass. Um, there are some discussions ongoing between the Russians and Chinese about what that might look like. But of course, the Ukrainians are never going to agree to anything that requires them to give up territory. And while the statement, the Chinese statement talked about territorial integrity. It didn't say anything about Russia returning land that is stolen from Ukraine. So with all that, Jessica, what do we think? Is this a is this a disaster? Is this all right? Should the West be concerned? Should the U.S. be concerned? What should we think about this growing relationship between two major nation states opposed to the United States? You know, we've talked about it previously on the show, um, you know, China's story that it's building as this peacemaker, right? It builds the strip as a, and I quote, journey of friendship, cooperation, and peace. And they can bolster that image. They just restored ties, you know, between Iran and Saudi Arabia. And so I think, you know, what we should look at is what countries are buying that story, right? So I, I think a lot of global leaders are now understanding there seems to be inevitable conflict that's coming between the U.S. and China. And there's a collision course that's happening. They don't know when it might happen, but when is, you know, what side are they picking? So I think they're paying attention to the, the stories that are being spun. Um, and so China is doing everything to, to, to your point, build the narrative. The U.S. and the West are, are not the peace brokers. They're continuing the conflict. But I think it's really interesting, though, that she, he wrote an article for the Russian Gazette when he landed, basically. And of the 1,800 words in the article, only three were the words Ukraine. To your point, they actually all focused on the bilateral hmm. um, trade and um, that was growing between uh, Russia and China, and and it, but was devoted though to replacing the U.S. order. So I think it's I, I just want to see who's paying attention and, and and buying into the story. So Morgan, I mean, you know, Jessica makes the point that we're trying to figure out who's going to ally with which side of this of this conflict. It looks like the Saudis are lining up potentially with the Chinese. Um, that's a big concern, right? Given the U.S. relies on the Middle East for oil. And, you know, our oil supplies appear to be dwindling in, in those major formations, those shale formations across the country. Is this something we should be worried about? 
Jamil, that's a great question. And I would refer our listeners to our, our previous conversation on this topic. I think it's, it's, it's a fascinating conversation. Um, with respect to China and, and Russia in particular, you know, I think Nikki Haley articulated this so well earlier this week when she said that it is a mistake to view the Chinese and Russian threats separately. As Jessica mentioned, mm. time and again, you see Xi enter a theater under the guise of peace and diplomacy only to disrupt the international order and to, to remake it in China's image. You know, Xi has clearly made a decision to hop in bed with an international fugitive. And we must be clear-eyed about this. You know, if Russia wins in Ukraine, China does too. Um, but we also see this in the Middle East, as you referenced earlier. You know, when we see Saudi and Iran coming together and China plays peacemaker under the guise of, you know, sort of benevolent, this benevolent peacemaker, that's a problem, particularly when the United States is not engaged. So, I mean, Jessica, I mean, it's interesting because Morgan makes the point that we see this closer relationship, right? And, you know, Nikki Haley, the former ambassador, to, U.S. ambassador to the U.N., your former boss, Morgan Vina, and a presidential candidate in the upcoming elections, you know, out there pushing. You've got other presidential candidates on the Republican side saying, look, Ukraine isn't that big a deal, right? It's a territorial dispute, like Ron DeSantis said, a sort of infamously in a response to Tucker Carlson. I mean... Can we disaggregate these things? The American people don't seem to be taking the Nikki Haley or Morgan Vina position that like China and Russia are the same thing. You know, they seem to be disaggregating it. How do we get the American? Should we bring the American people together on this? And if so, how do we make that happen, Jess? So, I, you know, I think that's an interesting because in the same kind of article that she wrote, he also, you know, in this this growth, maybe bifurcation of the global the global order, he actually it's clear that Russia and, the, and China see the U.S. domestic scene as a weakness. Um, as a U.S. as a weakness to the U.S. Mm. And, a, and and in their autocracy as the way as as the way that the government should be run, he actually writes to run the world affairs well. You have to run your own affairs well. Like he literally calls out the U.S. and kind of the messy house we have here. Mm. So trying to align domestic forces here in the U.S. with one messaging, I see that one is that going to happen? No. And two, I think China and Russia very well both know that's not going to happen, right? And so I think they're already playing up that weakness amongst their own maybe you know, I won't say allies, but whatever other nation states might be more, you know, more inclined not to be democratically, you know, inclined. Uh, it's, it, it's interesting you say that just because, you know, I mean, we've seen on, on Capitol Hill, at least, a real bipartisanship around, you know, China issues. You know, seen this China committee with Mike Gallagher and Raja Krishnamurthy, you know, basically, you know, uh, hugging it out, right, on, on China issues. We've seen a lot of bipartisanship on TikTok. There's a hearing today about banning TikTok. We talked about that earlier uh, last week on our podcast. I mean, there's a lot of bipartisanship on China. There does seem to be some divides on Ukraine. Morgan, your former boss says if we bring these two things together, we might be able to get every American on the same page. Is that really true? Or is this 2024 election going to you know, mess everything up? And is our American democracy a real weakness for us when it comes to international affairs? You know, I think we need to be pretty um, – look, the, the assistance to Ukraine debate needs to be highly nuanced here. Um, we don't need to be cutting – blank checks to Ukraine, but we need to make sure that we are working with Ukraine and our partners to ensure that they have the means to defend themselves, right? Make no mistake in this debate, if Russia wins, Poland and Baltics are next. And if Russia wins in Ukraine, you can bet that Xi will be making moves against Taiwan. So really, this is incredibly interrelated, and Congress is actually in, in, in a really good mindset right now when it comes to, to China, but they also need to have a more uh, nuanced debate about the implications for assistance to Ukraine and what that means globally. 
All right. Well, great point to end on. That's a wrap, folks. Thanks to Brooke Agacon and Rachel Domino from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Monday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.